0: Man, can we uh, can we thank Breakaway Worship for being with us tonight? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, a few years ago, a uh, Baylor student and I were hanging out, and my wife was discipling her. and And so, as we were hanging out, just randomly in conversation, it came up that uh, her father had recently gotten a phone call from Elon Musk. And I found that to be very peculiar and interesting. I was like, okay, tell me more. I'm very, I mean, I'm all in. Why did Elon call your dad? Is everything okay? Who is your dad? Is he famous or what, is he one of the wealthiest men in the world? Like, who, who, who are you? And, and she starts to explain that uh, Elon called her dad and uh, her dad sold Elon this land in Austin. And she just kind of casually starts talking about it. She's joking about it. And I could tell, you know, it's pretty cool. Elon called her dad. It's this awesome thing. And then as the conversation progresses, she admits, she's like, and you'll never guess this. Like, like, there's a magazine that's trying to guess, like, where is Elon going to put this new factory in Austin? And there's like 10 different spots where they think it is. And it's none of them. And I'm like, I'm leaning in now. I'm definitely in. I'm all in. And she's like, it's, it's in this small town just outside of Austin. It's east of Austin. It's near the airport. And she said, it's, it's Del Valley. Is that how you say it? I don't remember how you say it. Any Austinites, can you confirm? I'm getting some head nods. We're going to move with that. Del Valley. And, uh, and so she's like, she's like, it's in Del Valley, but it's on the down low. And so I left there. And I'm I'm an entrepreneurship major. I don't know if you know this. I'm not a preaching major. I'm not a vertical major. I went to Baylor. I was an entrepreneurship major, religion minor, but entrepreneurship major. like I really love to think in business terms and investments and all these different things. And so the first thing I did was I went to Zillow the next day. And I'm like, okay, there's a place downtown Del Valley. Del Valley kind of looks like a, not a fun place to live, but uh, very small area, almost rural. It's almost like a Mahaya of Waco, which none of you have heard of, right? Like it's, it's not the popular place, but so I'm doing some research. I'm looking at these, these places that are for sale and I'm noticing very low costs. Very low, easy to buy an investment property in Del Valley. So I'm starting to think and I start to pray about it. Over the next few days, I start moving money around. I start getting ready to make plays. And I start with that story tonight and I'll end with it. I'm sure you're wondering what I did. But uh, I'll end with what I did at the end. But I start with that tonight. Because tonight as we continue looking through the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is going to be talking about where we put our investments. Like, where do we put our treasure? And he's going to tell us where to put our treasure, not in things that that can disappear. And we'll learn what that means. Where moth and rust can destroy or thieves can steal. But to put our trust somewhere else. And honestly, what we're going to learn also is... uh, that our whole life depends on us figuring this out. Our entire lives, like the trajectory of our lives, we just sang about, like, as we follow the Lord, like, he, he's faithful, he's gonna work things out, we're gonna have joy, like, all these things. Like, that actually, it, it, we're gonna see that that actually could be the case. And if we choose to put our treasures in the wrong places, it can actually really be destructive. And I, I don't think that's the natural thing for us to believe is that if we live for the world, that it will lead to destruction. But Jesus is going to show us in this passage tonight. And so we're going to ask three questions very simply. Where is your treasure? What are the benefits or the consequences? And why can't we have both? That's the, that's the question of college. Why can't we have God and the world? If you were at FM 72 this week, you saw JP say, hey, you have one foot in the church and one foot in uh, the world. And, you know, there's this tug of war and you, can't, you have just enough of each that, both stink like that's what we're looking at tonight in fact we're just going to look more deeply at that because that's a real question that we all have why can't we have both and Jesus is going to answer it and so let's look to the text Matthew 6 starting in verse 19 let me give a little context if you haven't been here with us Jesus has just finished teaching how to uh, he's encouraged hey when you when you give and when you pray and when you fast Do it in secret. Don't do it just to be seen by other people because you'll get your reward, which is to be seen if you were tracking with us in the past. But if you do it in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is talking about these rewards and now he's going to expound on how do we get those rewards? Like what does it really look like? And so we're jumping into verse 19. Jesus is speaking to his people. This is what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is, is giving a very clear warning. In verse 19, we are not meant to lay up for ourselves ourselves. Things of this earth that are going to pass away. Things that are going to go away. Moth and rust and thieves. So any possessions, any materialism, any wealth, that is not where we're meant to find life. We're not meant to lay up treasures in those places. But we're meant to lay up treasures in heaven. Why? Things in heaven last forever. If you just think about the things of this world that so often we we. Can catch ourselves trying to lay up treasures in or live for just think about what happens when you die it's kind of a sad thought but the reality is like you're going to pass it on to your children or family and you won't get to take it with you it's simple it's very simple so there's things of this earth that can be taken away that moth and rust can destroy they're temporary and they don't feel temporary but they are temporary whereas things that are eternal treasures in heaven those things are not temporary they're untouchable they're neither moth nor rust can destroy and thieves can't even break in and steal so my first question tonight comes from this part of the text it's very simple where is your treasure where are you laying up treasures treasures And and the next valid question is, how can we figure out where our treasure is? And, And I think a question that can help us think through this is like, what is most valuable to you? Like, what's the most valuable thing to you? What consumes your mind through the day? Those might be the things that are your treasure, which Jesus tells us in verse 21, that's where your heart is. Like, what really consumes you? And I think it's hard as a college student because even if you come from wealth, uh, you still feel poor in college. Like, I don't think it matters. I think it's across the board, whether you're working to pay the bills and pay your tuition or somebody else is paying the bills, there's still a little sense of like, I'm gonna go get Taco Bell and I feel like it's gonna cost me. Like, I still feel like I'm I'm on a budget that it's, it's not never ending for the most part. Maybe it's not for you. But for the most part, I don't think college students always are thinking about money necessarily, and so we were prepping with our team, and immediately all I thought about was, well, college students' only treasure is time. Like it was all I could think about. It's like I don't, I don't think tons of people are like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really struggling with just my car, just being my idol, or my couch, whereas I'm, I just closed on a house today, and. A couch can be an idol. I mean, amen to large sums of money that I owe somebody else. But anyways, it's the scariest thing you'll ever do. And I don't remember what I was saying. What was I just say, Oh, money, money, money. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, I'm not, I don't think you're struggling. Like maybe you're like, oh, I, I wish I had a G-Wagon instead of my Bronco. Sure, but like I don't think it's as cool. I don't think it's as consuming. Sorry, I saw a couple Broncos today, and I just thought they were cool. But <laughs> it, it's, it's not as common to be like, well, your house is bigger than my house. Like, that's not really consuming you for the most part. I lived in a dump in college. I didn't think twice about where I lived. It was, the, it was just a fun place to be because the people were fun. Like, it was all good. So, so I really think your treasure is your time. And so where your time is is where your heart is. I think for college students, just like think about what consumes your time. That may actually be where your heart is. And I really think where you put that time, it it shows what your treasure is in. And it could even just be what you're thinking about if you're consumed with thinking about clothing. Or you're consumed with, in, in your time, think about body image. If you're consumed in your time, think about lust or uh, having the best technology, whatever you're consumed by, everyone's different. But those are the things that are fighting for our, our hearts, the things that the enemy wants us to treasure instead of the Lord. And so what do you give to your time? What do you give your time to? Is it your fraternity, intramurals, GPA? It, and here's the, here's the scary thing about this, or maybe it's a relationship. But you would never, because you're wise, you never be like, I value my boyfriend over God. Like nobody in their right mind would say that, but, but your time would show that you value your boyfriend or girlfriend more than God. Like that's the reality, but you're smarter than, than to say, yeah, I really value my sorority more than God. Like you would never say that, I hope, uh, for the most part, because you're smarter than that. But what's, what's real, like what we can really look at as we ask where is our treasure is where are you spending your time? What are you giving your time to? And I I must stop and pause and say having money or being in an organization or having a relationship, those aren't bad things. But they can be bad if they're what you value the most. They can be bad if they're what you give all your time to. And so... What's the alternative to laying up things in this earth that where moth and rust destroy, thieves can break in and steal those things? What's the alternative? It's laying up treasures in heaven. And that's a valid question. Like, how do we lay up treasures in heaven? The first is we 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 lay up treasures by giving God glory, and we can give God glory in a ton of ways. One, we can worship. Like what we were just doing. Like that's giving God the glory that He deserves. There's other ways to give God glory. One, another way is obedience following him choosing him saying we were just singing your way is better and as we're singing the song i'm like lord help me to remember your way is better all the time it's easy to sing right now it sounds good breakaways killing the worship but like i want to really believe that your way is better all the time it's obedience and dependence can can lay up treasures in heaven and and really multiplication evangelism sharing our faith and and discipling others and being discipled, those things can give glory to God. But I think there's this, there's this misconception in uh, and really even my generation. When I was in college, I struggled with this. I still struggle with this. And it's this general idea that ministers, like pastors, I call it the they. They do the ministry. Whoever they is for you. It's those crazy Christians that read their Bibles every day. It's those people stop people and they're like hey can i pray for you like those people you're like they do the ministry it's the pastors that that know the whole bible you're like they went to seminary they're the ones that do the ministry that's they're paid to do that right right like that's that's what we think but we don't realize that that that's a lie from the enemy that your pastors do the ministry that's actually not even what the bible says the bible says uh Leaders in the church equip the saints for ministry. You're the saints. Pastors and leaders equip you. First Peter 2.9 says, you and I are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We're priests, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Listen to this. What's our purpose? How can we lay up treasures in heaven? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. That's your purpose. You ever wonder what your purpose is? That's it. And the crazy thing is, if you live out your purpose, if you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light, if you talk about Jesus, if you brag about Jesus, I know we don't use the word proclaim Jesus. If you brag on him, you will be laying up treasures in heaven. It's your purpose and there's a reward. How great is that? That's how we lay up treasures in heaven. And I don't think we understand this theologically. Uh, one way you, you need to understand is that there's, the Bible talks about judgment. And I actually want you to know there's, there's two judgments that are in the Bible, the first is God judging according to sin. And so uh, we as believers actually believe in the good news that Jesus and his blood, his death, and his resurrection from the dead are what are going to forgive us in the judgment. When God judges, we're forgiven. Like thank goodness we don't have to experience the the, the payment of sin which is death and eternal separation from God. Why? Because of who Jesus is. That's the good news. There will be a day of judgment and we will be forgiven. You're like, man, I feel kind of undeserving. That's what it is. It's an undeserved gift of grace that we've received. That's the first judgment. Then there's a second judgment that's talked about all throughout the scriptures. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. You may have heard it called the Bema seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Romans 14.10, it it says this, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. And what we'll be giving an account for is our works. We're not saved saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. And we're forgiven, first judgment, judgment seat of Christ. Then, Then God says, hey, how faithful were you with what I gave you? And that's going to determine the treasures that you get in heaven. There will be a reward. Don't get them twisted. It's very easy to get those, those judgments twisted and immediately try to start working for salvation, work to be forgiven, work to try to you know, earn our way where our sins can be forgiven. That's impossible. Thank goodness for the good news of the gospel. We cannot work for it. It's by grace as a gift. But there is a second judgment where God's going to say, hey, let's look through your life. And I'm going to reward your faithfulness. And we give you treasures in heaven. They're not going to, they're going to last longer than your investments on earth, than your Bitcoin. They're going to last longer. That will determine how much treasure we have in heaven. So the first question, where is your treasure? And I love that Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus gets personal. Verse 21, he's saying, do not lay up for yourselves. He's like saying, don't, don't lay up for y'all selves, uh, treasures on earth. And then, he, and then he gets personal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is. It's no longer plural. There is a change in the tense where Jesus is like, where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And in his kindness, he helps us to see that as we learn to follow him, he rearranges our priorities and our purposes. And he rewards us. It's good. Let's keep going. Verse 22. The so first thing we see is where is our treasure? Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So Jesus is using this metaphor to explain the benefits of laying up treasures in heaven. And on the first read you read this and you're like, okay, I got to protect my eyes from the enemy, right? Like the enemy's trying to get at me, so less TikTok, right? Like that's the first thing you think of is I need to quit consuming so much of the crazy things in this world or whatever. Like that's what happens. We think about I it's it's the lamp of the body. So my eye's healthy. My whole body's healthy. Like that's the first thing. And I I actually think that's a true, valid idea that we ought to be careful. We're not meant to just consume. We're meant to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through scripture and through the spirit of God. But I, I really don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, and honestly, this is slightly hard to explain, but, but here's what Jesus is saying. And back then this would have, this would have made sense to the disciples because of the way they thought about the eye and the way they thought about light. So pay close attention because I need to be clear here. Jesus is saying the eye is like the flashlight of the body. So the eye is the flashlight of the body. If you have a healthy body, your whole body will be filled with light which will allow you to see properly. It's like you're, you're in a dark room and if your eye is healthy, then you have a flashlight to be able to see properly. But if your eye is unhealthy, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If you're living for worldly treasure, you're laying up for yourself treasures on earth, then your whole body will be filled with darkness and you won't be able to see straight. It will be like there's something keeping the light from going into your eyes, which will make your whole body filled with darkness and you won't be able to see straight. There will be something in the way. And we don't always think of the eye and the lamp like that's not exactly the way we think of it. That's the reality. Jesus is saying there is a benefit to where you put your treasure. If you have light and you lay up treasures for heaven and you follow Jesus, you're going to get clarity and peace and grace and security. There's a benefit if you have light, everything, you're going to be able to see straight, walk straight. You're going to have security. You're going to know exactly where you are. It's almost like you have built your house on a rock. And then there's the other end. And the other end is a consequence. And the consequences is if there's darkness, then your whole being is darkness. You won't be able to see straight. You'll be filled with stress and worry and insecurity. Consequences of sin, purposelessness, consumed with self. And so my second question is, what are the benefits and the consequences? I want you to see there are benefits and there are consequences. There's benefits to building your house on the rock. There's consequences to building your house on the sand. There's benefits to laying up treasures in heaven. There's benefits, or there's consequences to laying up treasures on the earth. And the best way I can describe this is is really some students that I know. And I'll try to make this brief, but there's this girl I know. She was a, this, this amazing Baylor student who was in a sorority. Everyone loved her social status. She loved Jesus. And, and right now she's in Africa. And, and she's serving faithfully because what God called her to was to leave Baylor and go abroad. And she, she has given up the last few years of her life, to just be faithful to whatever God's called her to. Can you imagine COVID? She's a teacher at a school, and COVID has been challenging, and she has been faithful. And, and when I think about her, I think about all the challenges, and we, we keep in touch. She keeps, gives updates. She was once a vertical leader, and uh, I am not worried at all. Like, she's just such a joy to be around. She's so amazing. In fact, I will say, I just found out she's moving back to America. So it's not just you have to go overseas somewhere crazy, although God could call you to that. But, but everywhere she goes, things go well for her. Things just work out. She's like, man, God just led me here. And then COVID hits. She's like, praise God, I'm here. I'm like, well, that's weird. Other people would think that that was a terrible time to go there. You know, all these different things, everything she does, she's secure. She's single. She's She's beautiful. And she's single in another country. And she's like, God will take care of it. It's all good. I'm not worried about a man. I don't need a man. I got God. God's going to provide a man at the right time. And you're like, you just get it. You're so fun. Like she's amazing. She's so secure. There's a benefit. She is living for another world. And it's benefiting her here, her here in this world. And then I got a friend. And he, he's, he's actually wealthy. I was talking about how you know, in college it's not as big of a deal, but, but I really think he, he's wealthy, but he's, he's constantly worried about what's next. And if he makes the wrong turn, then he'll miss out on life, and he's talked to me before. He's like, dude, I just, I'm consumed with making the wrong decision on what internship I should do or what, what job I should do after college and, and all these different things. And deep down, he's, he, he's consumed with, with an addiction that's a secret. And uh, he's fun most of the time. Most of the time. But, but honestly, he talks a lot about himself. And so, but he's socially gifted. So he's like, kind of fun to be around. And then you're in a conversation for a long enough period of time. And you're like, oh, we've talked a lot about you. And it's, it's like, oh, I just, oh, man and he's there's just it's, his life's kind of a roller coaster there's always something crazy happening crazy bro crazy every something always has to be happening he is who i'm reminded of when i think of the rich young ruler which was taught about last week he's a leader People look up to him. He's wealthy. He has power. But his treasure is his pleasure or himself. And the consequence is his life is a roller coaster. And his life is, honestly, it has a lot of destruction and worry and discontentment and despair because he has an unhealthy eye. Like he can't, he can't even see his own sin. And in fact, uh, his, one of his friends recently came up to me and was like, man, I'm supposed to teach a Bible study, but I've been, I was drunk last week. And I, what do you think I should do? And I was like, man, you aren't seeing straight if you're asking me that question. Like you are blind to sin if you're asking that question. Because you shouldn't be teaching. You should be healing. It's very simple. And, and he, he, him, and his friends—they can't see straight. Like I know it. I love them. I'm spending a lot of time with them, trying to help them see straight. And so there's benefits and there's consequences, and I want you to know them. And lastly, let's look at verse twenty-four. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and anything else. And so the last point tonight is why can't I have both? And <laughs> Jesus tells us, you can't have two masters. You're either going to hate one or love the other. There will be a day, if you love money and you love God, there will be a day. And it may not be today, but, but eventually it always leads to you have to choose one. Why can't I have both? You can't serve two masters. Masters aren't like having a job. It's not like you can have two part-time jobs and I'm just going to have both. I'm going to have money and God. They're both part-time jobs and we're just juggling all these things. Who we serve and who is our master consumes everything. And so all your time is devoted to one thing. Everything depends on that one thing. You will love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. I think that's that's a really important word. You're like, no, I can have God and money. I'll have both. Don't worry. I'll follow God and money will come. But really, I'll just kind of keep both as a priority. Here's the reality. You cannot devote yourself to God and money. You may feel like you can serve both. You cannot be devoted to both. One will consume you. One thing you will be devoted to one thing you'll be devoted to serving and I, I saw this and thought about this today as I told you we closed on a house my wife and I closed on a house and this dog came up to us and uh, as the dog was coming up we had just been in the house for the first time so I, I get in the door I'm like I'm not from around here I'm new to the house get that stray dog away from me I don't have time for it. And some of you are like, this guy's heartless. Here, here, just chill. Give me a second. I like some dogs, not all, but I like some of them. But I, I just had this thought, like, I'm, I'm not willing to take care of that dog. I don't have time. Today, I don't have time. I don't have time to, to take it on walks with my wife. I don't have time to, to make sure it stays in the backyard and, and keep track of everything. I don't have time to, to go to a dog park and pick up its poop. I don't have time. To chase after it if it runs away from, from my backyard. I don't have time or the patience for a dog that's going to return to its vomit and just go back and forth. And I think that's stupid. I'm like, why would, I, why would I put time in that? I don't want to buy a leash. I don't want to buy food to provide for it. I don't want to be its master. When I think about master, I think about dogs. And Jesus is saying, hey, you can't serve two masters. And what we don't realize is we're like a dog, which sounds demeaning, but it's reality. Like sometimes we're on the leash and we're like, man, I just wish I could be free. I wish I could be free. Dogs are on a leash for their good. You're in the backyard. You're like, I just wanna get out of the backyard. I just wanna do my own thing. I just wanna do this. I just wanna get over the fence. You get over the fence freedom, your life is in danger. It doesn't always go well for dogs that run away. And and every day there's a faithful master that, that feeds a dog, that provides for it, that walks it. And smart dogs, smart dogs realize that their master loves them and they stay close. And what happens over time is those dogs stay close and and over time they grow in joy. It's almost like they, they, they have golden retriever vibes. They're like, man, I just, I love being around the master. When are we gonna go to the park? It's a safe space for me to play. Like this is it, this is life. My master's so good to me. He feeds me three times a day, He provides water for me. He cleans up my poop when I really screw it up, right? When I'm outside, where I poop where I'm not supposed to poop, he still takes care of it. When I'm trying to go back to the vomit, my my master helps me not return to the vomit. He's like, man, my life's awesome. The closer I stay to the master, the better. It'll go well for me. Sometimes he can give me a treat, right? It'll go well. really think about the word master much. But it's important that Jesus gives it to us here. We can't have both because we can't serve two masters. And the beautiful thing is Jesus is God, creator of the universe, and he wants to be our I didn't want to be that stray dog's master. I don't have time. I've got stuff to do. The God of the universe loves you enough, cares enough to be your master, to be God with us. That's the good news of the gospel. A right response is to let Him be our master and trust Him. And so, in summary, where is your treasure? What are the consequences and the benefits? And why can't we have both? Did I invest in Dell Valley, Elon Musk, business major, did I invest? Anybody got a guess? Not rhetorical. No. Yes, no, yes, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't. It's illegal to invest in something that you know that you shouldn't know the future of. It's called insider trading and Jesus is telling us, I know the best place you could ever invest. It's gonna last forever. It's gonna be 10 billion times better than anything on earth and truthfully it's going to be 10 billion times better than if I had bought five houses in Del Valley because one day Del Valley won't exist and we'll be in eternity that's it it's insider trading and Jesus is giving it to us legally it's amazing He knows how it plays out. He knows the end of the story, he's gonna return. And so how do we apply this as I close? If your treasure is in something else, give your greatest treasure, your time to Jesus. And what does it mean that Jesus is our master? I think we understand or we're starting to understand Jesus is our savior. He saved us from our sin. He's forgiven us, but he's also our Lord. He's our master. He's in charge. And the Lord is somebody who has authority and control and power. He's our master. So Jesus isn't just our savior. He's also our Lord. So we obey him and we funnel all the FM 72 energy and all the excitement into obedience, into letting Jesus be in control of everything. And I think last week, there's so much to celebrate that's big, baptisms, beautiful. It was beautiful. It's like, this is amazing. It's happening in the center of campus. We're celebrating people going from death to life, proclaiming outwardly an inward faith. It's this beautiful thing. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I almost took the mic to tell you. I thought about it. I was like, they need to know. It's going to be just as good to be faithful and obedient in secret, in small ways, to say no to our flesh and to follow the Lord. Let obey. Let him be your master in ways that people can't see. Get rid of internet on your phone. People won't see you and celebrate you for but that's obedience. Some of you need to get rid of mirrors in your rooms. It's not, people will not know about it. you get rid of it. It's not worth it. And nobody's going to be there to say this other than your very good master will say, hey, I'm proud of you. And there'll be some treasures in heaven for you on the other side. Let me pray that we Lord, we we come humbly and we ask that you would help us to make you and allow you to be our master, not just our Savior, but our Lord. And Lord, would you help us to put our treasure and our hearts in things that are eternal value, that have eternal value, not things that can rust or moths, can eat, where we see the value of eternity. We see the benefits on this earth to following you and, and laying up treasures in heaven. We see the consequences too, Lord. And Lord, lastly, help us to serve one master. Teach us to follow you, obey you, to make you Lord. Be, have all authority and control of our lives. Lord, would we surrender? We sang it earlier. We've sang a lot of songs that were just right on with this passage Lord we pray help us to surrender to you Jesus and I pray for secret small faithfulness and obedience out of this crew and even out of my own life Lord so that on the day when something big you've called us to major obedience major walk of faith we'd be confident and secure and joyful filled with those golden retriever vibes Lord, would you help us follow you with everything in Jesus' name?